This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's Most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the goal that we have is to provide our listeners with some really good local information. What's happening in Iowa may be different than what's happening here in Central California. For that matter, what's happening in the coastal area of California may be different than what's happening here. Well, nobody better to bring in and tell us about uh, the market, uh, then our president, this year's president of the Fresno Association of Realtors, Steve Flash. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Thanks for having me back. Sure. Yeah. Um, and as we've said before, yes, the ratings took a real plummet last time you were on, but we recovered. You know, I can't imagine why you keep inviting me back. I think this is my fourth time on and the ratings take a hit every time. So Hopefully, you're able to recover from my appearance this time. Well, the first 10 people I asked to be on couldn't make it, so <laughs> we got to you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I was your second choice. Everybody else was tied for first. Yes. <laughs> oh, hey, you've heard my old joke before. All right. We are going to talk about the confusion, the myths, the all that in today's market. I have something here that I brought that um, will show you what is going on on social media. Um, here's, here's one that I just received, um, and it says, Tidal wave of local loan defaults coming. The moratoriums are over, and lenders want their money. Um, now, as you read on, oh, and it, by the way, it comes from the Department of RE, real estate, mm -hmm. is what I'm, I'm thinking, wow. Department of Real Estate sending me an email. It's phony. Uh, and as you get to the end, it's from some guy in Wyoming who is selling subscriptions. So this kind of reminds me of uh, the guy who wrote the book, How to, How to Buy uh, Real Estate with No Money Down. Made a whole lot more money selling the book than he did real estate, I'm sure. Yeah, well, from what I'm seeing, online has, uh, you know, it's there's a lot of clickbait out there. There's a lot of things that are put there out there. The news has always been uh, sensationalized in a way. And people are going to be more inclined to click on a headline that says, is the market going to crash, than a headline that says, is the market returning to normal? You know, so that sensationalized uh, viewpoint is what's going to get the more, most activity. So that's why I think we see all the topics and all the headlines that are, are much more dramatic than, than we would expect. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what bothers me, too, is how some people write blogs, uh, even some local people that are talking uh, doomsday. And it, it's like, I, do you see that out there? Not at all. I, I think, you know, and coming back to your initial point with this guy uh, out of I, I, Iowa or Wyoming, 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 he's what's what you have to consider the source. What's the what's the source? In this case, it's somebody that's trying to sell subscriptions. Um, so you always want to consider the source when you're looking at this type of information. But no, uh, the the tidal wave of foreclosures, the the, you know, all the sensationalized headlines. That's not what I'm seeing in the market right now. Have you seen a foreclosure lately? Not recently. 
not yeah. at all. You know, and you know, there has been an increase in the start of uh, foreclosure um, notice of default filings, but that is in part due to the fact that those numbers were kept artificially low through government policy. Um, so now, what we're seeing as the the incre- we are seeing a, some increases in the start on foreclosure filings. It's more of uh, returning to normal than it is that we're seeing huge increases from a normal level uh, up. It's increases from an artificially low level back to uh, closer to a normal level. So I'm assuming you uh, by the artificially held back by government policy, you meant the moratoriums? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you had the water spigot turned off for a while, then you open it up. There are going to be some, but, and I did not run these stats this time, but about a month ago I ran them. So for Fresno County, mm-hmm. how many foreclosures sold that month? And the number was one. <laughs> yeah, so. it's 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 not a huge impact on our market in any way, shape, or form right now. And one of the big reasons, and I, I was hoping to get into this a little bit later, but we jumped in there now. Across the country, 99% of our, our homeowners are in a positive equity position. And the significance to that is if somebody has a, a life occurrence, if there's a job loss, if there's an illness or an accident or something to that effect, and they can't continue to make the payments on their home, they can sell their home and land have a soft landing on the equity rather than if you look back 15 years ago coming out of the uh, financial crisis, um, people were, were pulling all their equity out of their homes. And now we have uh, much more responsible buyers that have equity that if they did have that negative uh, life circumstance, they could still go ahead and sell and avoid that foreclosure. So I, I don't see that huge upswing in foreclosures that people have uh, referenced or referred to out there. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's a good point. So if you have equity, which people have enjoyed the last several years for several reasons, one of them is principal reduction. With fixed rate mortgages, your loan balance goes down. Uh, We've had appreciation. We've had inflation. And many people have uh, also put sweat, sweat equity in there. So those are the four drivers of of equity growth. Um, so if you have $200,000, you have a job loss or a life event, like you say, uh, maybe instead of selling it and getting $200,000 profit, you, you put it on the market so cheap, somebody's going to buy it now and you only make 150,000, you're still positive. Yeah, that's that's really, really accurate, Don. Specifically with the appreciation we've seen over the past several years, I mean, the market has uh, been appreciating for about 10 years straight now. We've had uh, strong appreciation. Actually, I think it's closer to 11 years uh, that we've seen appreciation. Now, that was starting to slow coming into the pandemic a little bit, but once the um, shelter-in-place came out, once we were deemed essential services, real estate here, specifically in the Valley, really blew up. So we were looking about 18 to 20% appreciation in uh, 2020 and then 2021 as well. So there's been uh, the people that have been in a homeownership position have have really seen a great increase in their equity. You know, it just hit me. I failed to properly introduce you. I said you're president of the Fresno Association of Realtors. I don't want our listeners to think that you just have some cushy job where you just sit back. You're also the sales manager for uh, a large branch of guarantee real estate. Yeah, correct. Um, so the, you see the transactions. Yeah, the Fig Garden Office of Guarantee Real Estate, we've got a little over 100 agents in that, myself and then another agent, uh, Sandy Darling, um, manage those agents in there. So yeah, you're right. I do have a pretty good uh, view as to what's going on in the market and some of the trends that we're seeing. 
Yeah. So agents come to you saying, Steve, can you analyze this or help me with this? So you, you actually get to see what's happening on the streets. Yeah, we get to, you know, a lot of deal doctoring, a lot of helping to, um, you know, figure out comping out properties, valuing properties, what can we expect to get for this? How do we want to go about pricing this? Uh, and I think that's one of the big things right now within um, real estate. With the market shifting a bit right now, the importance of using a local realtor is so much greater now than it has been at any time in the past. You know, you need somebody that knows the the current market trends, and I'm not talking about national trends or statewide trends or even county trends. I really think that uh, real estate is hyper-local, and you need somebody that's familiar with a specific market that you're looking to transact real estate in. So if you're buying, you know, Fig Garden, what's going on in Fig Garden, that's different than what's going on in Northeast Clovis or North Clovis. That's different than what's going on in Fresno High or Tower. So, you know, the the real estate is very hyper-local. So I just want to go ahead and say use a local realtor if you are looking to buy or sell right now. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Never been as important as now because there is so much misinformation out there. Um, it, and because there's a market shift or a downshift, um, it, it it's it's important because pe- some people are going to jump on that on social media and uh, talk doom and gloom, maybe for their greater profit. You know, there. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It's and again, the, it comes back to the 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 local knowledge being being superior. And uh, you know, Fresno was just named one of the top markets in the country for flipping. Um, it, we were the only uh, market west of <clears throat> Texas that actually hit that. Uh, we've seen appreciation in prices. We've seen appreciation in rent. Uh, Fresno is 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 truly unique, specifically if you look at the state. Um, we are one of the more affordable areas in the state. Median sales price here is about half of the rest of the state. Uh, we're about a quarter of what you get up into the Bay Area. Um, so you, c- you can afford a lot more home. You can afford a lot more property that surrounds that home here. Uh, and it's uh, a lot more cost effective to do it here than in other parts of the state. So th- that article... Um I did not read that. Mm-hmm. What? Why is Fresno such a hot spot for flipping? You know the the methodology. I they. The, the article itself was a brief overview of the methodology, uh, but what they did was they used words like as is, um, good bones, or TLC to define a home that was listed or what they described as a fixer-upper, and they compared that to homes that were turnkey and found that there was about a, it was 34.9% um, discount for homes that were the fixer homes here in Fresno. So it could just be the fact that there's a, a you know, a, I'm I'm not exactly sure why it was, but they they found that there was definitely more the ability to make more here. Maybe there's a trend right here to use the term good bones. (laughs) So um, interesting methodology, uh, but hey, that's statistics for you. And what did Will Rogers say about statistics? Three types of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) All right. We're going to go to our first commercial break, but when we get back, uh, we'll talk more on this market and, and what's coming. Thank you. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're talking with Steve Flash, uh, a uh, manager with Guarantee Real Estate and also the 2022 president of the Fresno Association of Realtors. And we are happy, happy, happy to have you here today, Steve. 
Awesome, Don. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. All right. Um, so a lot of talk out there uh, about real estate, and I think that's a good thing. People love real estate. You, you know, right now we're not hearing a lot of talk about um, other things, but it's real estate, and that's because there is movement. There's something happening. Describe to us what you see happening. So we're... I, I refer to it as more of a return to normalcy. Um, we have been in a, a hyper, hyper hot market. I mean, it has been been really, um, we've been one of the hottest markets in the nation, if you look back over the past uh, several years, or a couple of years, excuse me. And we're seeing a return to normalcy. You know, if you go back a year, 18 months ago, um, you were seeing multiple offers on almost every property that was listed. That number is coming down a little bit. Um, you were seeing a huge upward pressure on prices. You had buyers that were waiving appraisal contingencies and, and inspection contingencies, you know, 12 months ago, 18 months ago. And now that's happening quite a bit less than it was. Now, I don't mean to say that the, the, the wheels have fallen off because, you know, I did a quick uh, informal, some informal research on Thursday and uh, looked at the number of closings that we've had, just the cities of Fresno and Clovis between July 1st and this Thursday. And it, the number of homes that had multiple offers, 45% of those homes had multiple offers, so the homes that have closed in that time period. So we're still seeing a, a large number of homes that are, are dealing with multiple offers. Okay. And from a guy who's been in the business for... Uh a few years, I'm going to tell you multiple offers are not even normal. That's a really I, good point. Yeah, sure. They have been the last few years, but, uh, gosh, you go back to the nineties. It, you would, nobody would have believed you if you said, Hey, look, I have another offer on the table at the same time. It's like, come on, you've been on the market 90 days and all of a sudden you have two offers and even the speed at what, what's happening is not normal. Correct. The corrections that, I, that we're seeing now, I think, are, are much more rapid than we've seen in the past. Um, and I think part of it is with the, the increase in the evolution of technology, trends are going to happen, but they're going to happen on a more rapid basis. So I think part of that's the effect of technology, the readiness of information, uh, and the availability of information and data as well. Mm -hmm. Speaking of data, so I've been saying on this show for some time that I feel like our market is going from 80 miles an hour down to 70 miles an hour. What's your take on that? I don't know if I'd agree. It seems like we're about 100 miles an hour, and maybe we've come down to about 80. But uh, yeah, it's you're you're right. We're still cruising. We're still faster than the than the speed limit right now. Uh, maybe not as fast as we were a couple of uh, you know a year ago or or two years ago. But there are still opportunities for both buyers and sellers in the market, and that's what I appreciate right now is that return to normalcy. Normalcy brings a little bit of a balance. Um, over the past, uh, like I said, over the past 18 months, 24 months all the power has been with the sellers. A seller could pretty much dictate terms. If a buyer didn't like it then and wanted to cancel the transaction, a seller would likely get an additional ten dollars to $20,000 if they went back on the market. So um, the sellers had a lot of power over the past uh, you know, two years. And what I'm seeing now is it's, it's returning to normalcy. There's more of a balance. You know, Buyers have a little bit more control as to what's going on than, than they have in times past. And normal is actually a good thing. I, it, here's, here's where normal's a good thing. I, I took a class on time management that was put on by um, the Certified Residential Specialist, the CRS group. Yep. And uh, 
it was it was a fantastic class. I come home and I practice a lot of the things I learned. It was great during that normal market. But then the market heated up and all that stuff was out the window. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a sense of urgency. You know, a home hit the market and it was how soon can we get in there? We need to be in there today to make sure we don't miss out on it. Because if you didn't get your, your offer in within 24 to 48 hours, there's a good chance that you missed out on the property. That's a good point, too. And it, this is how ad, abnormal we got. So not only it's like how soon can we get in to look at that house, but there were offers being written for buyers that didn't even see the house. They just saw the pictures. Now, is that normal? Not at all. I had one transaction where my client was relocating here. And the first time I met him face to face was when we met at the house for inspections after we had already had the offer accepted. So we did uh, basically remote walkthroughs. So we had him on the cell phone. We're walking around doing a video walkthrough of the home, um, showing the home, found the one that he liked. We got the offer accepted. He came down for inspections and was elated, which was a, a really a relief for me because you're always nervous when they themselves haven't seen it. You know, they're going off of what they could see on a, a, a six inch screen and what it is that I'm telling them. So uh, for him to come down and see it, uh, I, I was pretty stoked. But uh, at that point, we had been on the phone. We had communicated back and forth quite a bit to where I felt like I had a pretty good idea as to what it was that was important to him. And uh, yeah, we were able to make that happen. But you're right. If you look back prior to that, I think that's the one and only time I've done that with clients. So it's it's abnormal for certain. <laughs> that reminds me, this is how important it is that you really need to walk through the property with your agent, your local agent who can uh, direct you. Now, this is way back before technology. Uh, this is back in the 90s. And I had a buyer who bought some land up in the mountains from me. No, no structure on it, just bare land. So they were going off of a plat map. So I felt really uncomfortable about that, that they wanted to make the offer without us walking the property. So I made it a condition in our offer that we would actually walk the property together prior to close of escrow. And when we did, we, we got up there in the, in the foothills and the guy's looking at the map, and he, he's saying, look, this is where we're going to put our mobile home, up there on that grassy knoll. I said, well, hold on a second. I grabbed that map, and I started looking at it. I go, I'm sorry to tell you, but that's the wrong property. This is the one that was down in a gully. It, he would have totally bought the wrong property. Um but that's where the local expertise comes in. Yep. And then, and then uh, again, that fiduciary responsibility to your client, you weren't looking at just making a commission. You were making sure that your client was protected and was making an educated and knowledgeable decision. So you making sure that he got out there and saw it before he actually put the money, uh, the final uh, funds into escrow, uh, I think is a testament to your approach to real estate. Right. And the local expertise. When I looked at that grassy knoll, the first thing is, wait a minute that's worth a whole lot more money. Why would a seller sell that for, uh, for this? Then when we looked down into that gully, I said, okay, that's why it was priced so cheap. <laughs> but that's the local expertise. If I, if I was doing that in San Diego, I wouldn't know any better. Yeah, it's uh, and again we mentioned it before, and it's a uh, it's it's coming up uh, a couple times here. But again, the knowledge of the local market is is huge. You know, if you get into some of the other areas of the state, there's point of sale requirements, there are things that need to be completed uh, prior to close of escrow. And I don't practice in those areas, so I'm not familiar with what they are. 
Well, there's certain things about Fresno that are that are definitely unique, and I think that you need to have somebody that works the Fresno market rather than you know a buddy from college that just got their license that lives up in in uh, you know the Bay Area and is going to handle the transaction for you. Right, right. Um, so I've been hearing this from some clients, uh, and that is, I'm going. Actually, I shouldn't say from some clients. My clients know better. <laughs> my clients know to ask me what, what the uh, what I believe and and how the market really is. Yeah. And I'm fortunate to have that credibility with them, as you should have with your own realtor. But um, I hear people say, "Oh, I'm going to wait until the market crashes." Um, but there was somebody on the show not too long ago that had a great response. You know, it doesn't just pop. It doesn't just go away. It adjusts. And what what is what's your take on that, Steve? So I, I, we're obviously seeing shifts in the market, and I, I think that the market's correcting itself, but I don't anticipate a crash coming. Um, the Lawrence Yoon, who's, or Dr. Lawrence Yoon, he's the chief economist for NAR, he anticipates a 7% appreciation in median sales price nationwide um, this year compared to last year, and he anticipates another 4% appreciation next year. So you look at numbers like that, um, you know, Dr. Lawrence Yoon is brilliant, and, and the team of economists that he have working with him. Um, so I don't see a crash. There might be a correction, but I don't see any sort of huge crash coming. Uh, there was another article I read in Golden Sa Goldman Sachs about six to eight weeks ago where they said if there's a correction in the U.S. market, it's going to be no more than 3% from peak to trough. So a 3% correction and, and drop in, in median sales price, you know, it's, it's nothing like we saw if you go back 15 years ago where we were seeing, uh, you know, 50% 50, 50 in some cases, um, you know, uh, losses in value. Mm -hmm. So you're quoting Dr. Lawrence Yoon, who, by the way, is not only brilliant, but he's funny. He is. <laughs> I've appreciated his sense of humor. He he tied uh, in. I was at one of the uh, NAR meetings for National Association of Realtors, and he did a presentation, and he was able to tie the economic wealth of a country into whether or not they had a national women's soccer team. And it was this really interesting comparison that he had drawn up, and it was I, I'm, I'm not going to do it justice, but yeah, the guy is is brilliant. He sees things and and connections that that I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when he, he was doing something on uh, where are all the millennial buyers? He says, well, they're living in the parents' basement. It's the parents' fault. They need to throw them out. <laughs> Get this economy going. <laughs> well, they must have thrown them out because, boy, did we have a, uh, a boom. Yeah. And um, so you're, you're talking about how he's predicting 7% appreciation, 4% appreciation. Those are still positive numbers. Correct. Yeah. And uh, compared to what was this past year? Like uh, Nationally, I think it was close to 18%. Um, that's too much. It is. And that's that type of growth isn't sustainable. And to, to look at the other side of the coin, what we've seen is over the past uh, year, affordability in Fresno County has really taken a hit. Um, the second quarter last year, we were at 43%. And that means 43% of our population could afford the median sales price home in our in our county. That number is down to 31% now. So we're looking at less than a third of our residents can actually afford a home here in Fresno County or the median sales price home here in Fresno County. So that that is definitely a, a little bit of a cost for concern. 
On the flip side of that, last year, while the state saw a net negative migration, our area saw a, an increase in, in, in population. And I think it is due to the, uh, the affordability is one of those main things. You can get a lot more home, you can get a lot more land with that home here than you can in other parts of the state. And I think that that's uh, attractive to a lot of people. Interesting what you're saying about in migration, people still moving in. When we get back from our commercial break, I want to talk about the four categories of buyers and who has the opportunities now. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. I'm proud of the house we built. It's stronger than sticks to steel. It's not a big place sitting up high. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio helping us out today, we have Mr. Steve Flash. He is the president of the Fresno Association of Realtors. You're also a director with the California Association and the National Association of Realtors. Not on the national. Well, as president, I guess I, that puts me in that spot. So yes. Sorry. Yeah, I'll go yeah. ahead and let you correct me on that. Thanks, Don. <laughs> okay. Advised you on it. I didn't correct you on it. <laughs> so you, you did go to the national. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yep, yeah, definitely. We were back in DC. All right. So you didn't just go there for the fun. You went there to work too, I'm sure. Of course. Right. Okay. So in the last segment, we talked about the four types or categories of buyers yeah. and they don't all buy at the same time. The incentives are not there. Those four are investor buyers. Second is first time home buyers. Third are the move ups, people selling their $300,000 home, moving on up to a $500,000 home. Then the fourth is the move ins, and they're moving in from out of the area. Um, they don't all work at the same time. Sometimes a, a particular market has an advantage to one or the other. This market that we're in right now, who has the advantage? Well, the past couple of years have definitely been tough for the first-time buyers. Um, a lot of them are, you know, they're scraping together everything that they can to put together their down payment, cover their closing costs, and everything else. Uh, plus, there's moving expenses. Anytime you get into a new home, there's stuff that you want to do to upgrade it. You're going to need some new furniture. Um, and a lot of those buyers weren't able to compete with a lot of, say, the move-in buyers or the move-up that had equity that they could go ahead and work with. Um, I mentioned earlier we saw a lot of people uh, guaranteeing cash above appraised value or waiving appraisal contingencies altogether. And if you look at a first-time buyer, typically they don't have that wherewithal to go ahead and compete with that. Um, so I would say we've seen much more of the move-in buyers coming in and, and being successful. There's been a little bit of a, you know, the move up buyers have been doing well, but it depends on how it, how it is that they structured the, the sale. Um, I had clients that sold and moved in with family and then purchased. And the reason why they sold before they purchased and moved in with family was because they didn't want to have to make a contingent offer. If their offer was contingent upon them selling a home over the past couple of years, that's been really difficult to get that offer accepted. So those move up buyers, depending on how they were structuring it and how they were going about it, some of them were, were really successful. Some of them struggled a bit. And, you know, I, I was very impressed by our market in general. And when I say our market, I'm talking about the buyers and sellers, the clients out there that did a great job of getting advice from their realtors because there was a point in time when, yeah, doing a contingency purchase seemed like a good thing. 
but it really wasn't. So they paid paid attention to their client, excuse me, to their realtor, and they either purchased first or sold first. They didn't do them concurrently. So kudos to our clients for listening to Welcome Home Radio and, and getting this great advice. Well, and again, it comes back to the local market conditions and the significance of using a local realtor right there. You know, the conditions that we were looking at in Fresno are different than what's going on up in the Bay Area. You know, the Bay Area saw, saw a shifting market much earlier than we did. And while our market was still pretty hot here in the Valley, you know, earlier this year, the Bay Area was already cooling off. So again, that, that local knowledge is, is truly significant. Yeah, I had a client last year who said her sister from Southern California was saying, if you want that home, go all in, go $100,000 over asking price. And I told her, wait a minute, <laughs> you would set new records here in the Central Valley if you did that. Don't, yeah. don't go that high. And I think she ended up getting it for like $20,000 over. Mm-hmm. So, um, hey, for once, someone listened to me, not their sister. um uh anyway let's go on to another thing and that is that um some people are fearful the fear of what's coming seems to hold some people back and they go oh yeah i saw the the great recession of 2008 7 8 9 is this similar or different I'm going to say that the the conditions across the board are different than what we saw 15 years ago. Um, the the first big thing that I see right now is the lack of inventory. There's just not enough homes out there for the people that are living in our community. They say statewide that number's somewhere around two and a half to three and a half million new housing units that we need. Um, Matthew Grundy, who is the deputy mayor for Fresno, came to our association a couple months back, and he said the number of units that we need in the city of Fresno is at least 17,000. And at the same time, city of Fresno is building about 2,400 units per year. So at that rate, we're going to need to build for the next seven years just to catch up with the current population. And that's assuming we don't grow anymore. But like we said, even despite the negative population growth statewide last year, we still saw positive growth here in the Valley. So we expect that population growth to continue. And that shortage of inventory, that shortage of homes, the lack of places for people to live uh, is going to continue. So that's one of the big things that we that is different than 15 years ago. Yeah, and I remember back then, 15 years ago, um, there were subdivisions going in that never got completed because there was so much inventory. You don't see that today. No, not at all. There was uh, one development that I remember driving by multiple times, and they got to framing and starting to put the plywood up, and you saw raw exposed plywood on that for years. So we don't we don't see that over or that dearth of building that that was happening 15 years ago. Was that over on Sean Locan? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I remember that the wood was starting to turn gray. Yeah, from being weathered. Just exposure. Yeah, 100. <laughs> percent and just for our listeners, that was a wild guess on my part. <laughs> but it was a good pull. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it shows that we were both out there working. Exactly. And, and seeing the same thing. Um, so another reason why I think the market's going to be different, if you let me. Um, is I will. 
the change i appreciate that the change in underwriting guidelines you know the the subprime mortgage crisis was something that i think um was the big factor leading into that last financial crisis that we saw in the great recession um there were people that were put in um loan products in and of themselves aren't bad but you had people that were put into products that they didn't understand there were um interest only loans there were adjustable rate loans there were um, loans multi-option multi-payment option and the last payment was negatively amortized so every month you make a payment and it's less than the principal or the interest that you incurred on that loan so while a person thinks that they're paying down their mortgage every year or, or every month every time they make a payment they actually owe more this month than they did the prior month so those subprime loans are gone and what we've seen over the past several years um the past pretty much 12 years has been 30-year fixed rates have, being the predominant product that's put out there but we've also seen a return with dodd frank uh, the dodd frank act um, a return to the guidelines that we used to use with underwriting uh, the ability to repay is something that's actually a thing that the under a factor that the underwriters take into consideration and that was never on the board if you look back 15 17 years ago so there's been a change in the underwriting guidelines and what that's meant is, or what that's led to, is people that are more responsible with their credit, more responsible with their income, have been in ownership positions. And uh, I'm sorry, have been in uh, home ownership. And with that, with them being more responsible, we've seen fewer people use their, their home as a piggy bank and just pull the equity out of their homes. I'm starting to see hear a lot more advertisements for, hey, unlock your equity, kind of like, you're doing a bad thing by keeping it in jail. Yeah. <laughs> no, homeownership across the nation is the number one path to generational wealth. And that's if you're not tapping into it and pulling out all your equity every few months. Um, so I think that leaving your equity there, lock it up. If you can afford the payment now, leave it there. One of the things that does have me concerned, though, is with the increase in um, uh, the increases we're seeing inflation, increase in food costs, um, gas costs, fuel costs, heating costs, cooling costs, things to that effect. We're seeing more and more consumer debt being taken out. The number of credit card debts that, or credit card accounts that were opened over the last quarter are uh, greater than any other time in, in our, our history. So we may see some people doing that out of necessity, um, which makes me a little bit nervous. But for the most part, we have not seen that trend, which leads to one of the uh, comments that I made earlier about nationwide, we've got about 99% of our homeowners that are in a positive equity position. And the reason why that's significant, like I talked about, they would have a soft landing rather than ending up in a distressed sale. I'd like to hear from you. What What's the good thing about having equity rather than using the equity? Well, it's short-term versus long-term gains. You know, if, if, if I want a, a new car, I can go ahead and go pull equity out of my home, refinance my house, and then I'm paying off my new car, which is a depreciation, depreciating asset, over the next 30 years when I refinance that home in order to pull that equity out. Uh, leaving it there, it works as your, you know, basically your down payment on your next place, college tuition for your kids, uh, you know, you jumping off into that next spot when you get, you know, you're pretty close. You might be looking at uh, some senior housing and assisted living at hey, some hey, point hey. in your future, and this is something <laughs> that can get you there. You know, I didn't think you could go the whole show without taking a good dig at me. but uh, I was going to try and uh, abstain, but, you know, it just presented itself, so I had to. <laughs> All right. Um, and here's another reason why. You, of course, a long-term mortgage, like a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, is going to uh, have a lower payment than, let's say, a credit card. Mm -hmm. Or even, let's, or let's use the example of a car loan, as opposed to a five-year, 
um, uh, let's say you were to amortize a $30,000 car uh, over five years or over 30 years, of course the 30 years is going to be a lot less. But are you really going to have that car for 30 years? So after five years when you sell it, you're still paying on the car. For another 25 years. Yeah. And then the next car and the next car. So pretty soon your 30-year more uh, equity line that you took on your, your home, you're paying for the last four or five cars that you owned. Does not make good economic sense. Not at all. And specifically, uh, car rates, car loans right now are still at ridiculously low rates. And as low as interest rates have been on the mortgage side of it, car loans are still even cheaper than that. So it doesn't make sense to finance for 30 years at 4% or 4.5% when you can get a five or a six year loan at 1.9 or something like that. And of course, that's we're talking about cars. Then you go to credit cards. And this is something that I'm hearing commercials on, you know, pay off those high interest rate uh, credit cards. All right, that's what you bought your TV on or dinner for the family last week. Um, should that be on a mortgage using up your equity all because you can get it at 5% as opposed to 18? Not at all. It's the same theory, like you said, about the car. You know, you can go ahead and get that car and pay for it for the next 25 years after you've already sold it. Well, dinner last week, you, that, that got you through the next day or two, uh, and you could be paying off that dinner for the next 30 years. So it just doesn't make sense. All right. When we get back from this commercial break, I want to ask you, what are some tips on how to avoid the mistakes that people made in 2007 in that era? So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're taking care of business today with Steve Flash, president of the Fresno Association of Realtors and also a sales manager and a realtor with Guarantee Real Estate. So yes, sir. you got three hats to wear. Um, being president this year, what what's one of your your highlights? Uh, so it's it's honestly been an honor to serve in in this role. I think our association has uh, an incredible history of leadership, and there's just been several people that have been mentors to me that have um, you know encouraged, helped me, pushed me along the way, guide me. Um, I don't often say say nice things about you, Scordino, but you've been one of those guys <laughs> that have been there that have kept me on track, and I truly appreciate it. Um, you're trying to make up for the comments you made. Oh no, no. I feel if you're going to take shots, you got to go. You know, share the other side as well. Um, but you know, a couple of the things really stand out, you know, we've had the opportunity to, um, go to Sacramento for ledge day and lobby our local legislators there on behalf of our membership here and on behalf of homeowner rights and property rights. Um, we've had the opportunity, like you mentioned, to, to be at the national association of realtors meetings and similarly to be in Washington, DC and talking with our, our legislators and the staff there in regards to the art of the issues that are significant to us. So I think that's been a huge honor. Um, obviously being invited to the show twice this year that really uh, you know stands out as a highlight of my year uh, you know a couple highlights right there but it's been overall across the board it's been a very rewarding year all right great and to show you what the realtors can do in speaking to the legislators I just received this yesterday that uh, we defeated Senate bill 1026 which uh, for investment housing would have required an energy audit every time somebody moves out and another person moves in. Now, 
some homes are older and that's why they're they're less expensive uh, this would have put a burdensome cost uh, to to the uh, landlord which then gets passed on to the tenant so it would have just driven rent prices sky high and it also uh, can is likely to lead to delays you know, if you have somebody moving out, you have to reach out to this newly created bureaucracy to schedule a time for them to have somebody come out and do that audit. And if, well, if it's a, I'm assuming, well, I'm not sure if they're going to put it on the independent and the local energy companies or if it would be a new bureaucracy. But either way, um, it seems like it's it's going to be causing delays for the landlord and also keeping available rental housing off the market. And that's something that we truly need right now is rental housing. And if we've got it tied up because we're waiting for an energy audit, we could be keeping families on the streets. We could be, you know, preventing people from moving forward with what it is that, the, you know, with their goals and their needs. So over a month ago, I ordered new dual pane windows to be installed at one of my rentals, mm-hmm. and they're not in yet. So talk about delays. Yep. Yeah, the, the supply issues. Um, so ho- hopefully this week or next they'll, they'll get in there. But, yeah, well, imagine if you had to keep the house empty for while doing that i think some of these laws have are are, have good intentions but i think that there are practical uh ramifications that are missed quite frequently and something like this you know you've got the delays with the actual audit itself you've got delays with the supplies in order to um satisfy those issues that were discovered during the the potential audit and again the whole time you have a landlord with an asset that is not uh, bringing in any sort of income and you have people that are lined up to get into that home that are unable to do so because it hasn't been checked off so yeah, there, there's uh, as well intended as some of these uh, bills are. I think the the practical ramifications are pretty significant. Yeah, great. Um, I also said in the last segment segment that we we're going to talk about some of the mistakes that the banks and the consumers made back during the last boom. And I'll classify that boom as 2003 through 2006. It was boom, and then there were a lot of mistakes made and what were some of those so that we know to avoid them now so the getting rid of all the underwriting guidelines was one of the big big mistakes you had people that were pushed into loan products that they didn't understand i think that's another big thing that happened Um, again an interest only loan for a savvy investor isn't a bad thing an adjustable rate loan for somebody that knows what that is and knows the ramifications of it and has a plan that's consistent with having an adjustable rate loan again these products aren't bad but it was putting people into these products just for the sake of getting them into a home in the short term that i think was uh one of the big issues that happened did you find that a lot of consumers didn't did not understand what they what loan they had? Oh, yeah. I bought my first place in 2005. Uh, I went in and spoke with a loan officer. She pulled my credit and came back and uh, I said, I can get you a loan for whatever you want. And I said, well, I'm not really sure what I can afford. You know, right now I'm paying rent. And she said, well, you don't get it. Whatever you want, I can get you a loan for. I said, my rent right now is like 550 bucks for my half of the rent. So how, what does that equate to a house or a condo or something else? And she looked at me like, I've got other people that I need to help today. So when you find a house that you want, let me know. I'll get you the pre-approval letter and we're good to go. So um, I had no idea what I was signing up for. The only smart thing that I did was I went for a 30-year fixed rate loan. Um, I didn't do the adjustable rate. I didn't do the interest only. Um, and I still own that property today. 
Yeah. So, and an adjustable rate mortgage is a good thing for the right person, but people had to understand. They had to sit down and understand it with their loan officer. Here, here's something to remember too. That period of time was our first run of online lending. And I think that uh, people got into uh, loans online that they did not understand. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that I think is is really I, I appreciate about real estate is we have a fiduciary obligation to our clients. We cannot merely just send them over a contract, assume that they have read it, and then have them do electronic signatures on it. We have an obligation to make sure that they have the contract in front of them. We can discuss it together and go over it and make sure that they're actually aware of what it is that they are signing. And that's a fiduciary relationship that we as realtors and as real estate licensees have with our clients. I don't believe the lenders have that same type of uh, obligation to their clients. And um, I think that that's one of the another rub that may have happened there. Another big thing was balloon payments. People thought, oh, you know what? The going rate is 7%. I'll take this 5% rate for five years. And in five, five, in five years, I'll pay it off or I'll move or whatever. And then that didn't become possible. But yet the balloon payment was there. Yep. Um, the, you mentioned earlier ne negative amortization. People would buy a home for 300000 no money down. So they owe three hundred, but in two or three years, all of a sudden they now owed three hundred and thirty thousand. And the house three years later may have been worth two hundred and fifty thousand. And that advice that a lot of people got as, well, just get into this now, wait for a year, allow the home to appreciate, and then refinance out of this interest only or this adjustable rate loan. And when the market corrected like it did 15 years ago, those people that were counting on that ability to refinance it got blindsided and were unable to do so. And I think the worst loan of all was what I'll call the bundled loan. So they took a lot of these different exotic type of features, bundled them together. For example, the 100% loan to value, so no money down. Yep. Um, adjustable rate where that could have negative amortization. Stated income where you didn't even have to prove that you had a job. And then a cash out refi. So you could actually cash out your equity uh, without having a job all the way to 100% of the current value and on an adjustable rate with a balloon payment. Um, boy, that doesn't smell right. No, and a lot of people... it. it a lot of people got taken, not necessarily taken advantage of, but a lot of people didn't do their due diligence. And that's the other thing that I, I would say. Don't rely on what somebody's telling you. Make sure you're reading and doing your due diligence and understand what you're signing up for and the paperwork that you're signing. Your realtor should be able to sit down with you, take you through the contract. Your lender should take you through the loan product and the loan paperwork and explain that to you. Make sure you understand that as well. All right, 30 seconds or less. Steve, give us your best real estate advice before we wrap up the show. All right, so but since we're wrapping up, first thing I got to say is happy birthday to my son, Connor. He's turning seven today, so I really want to say happy birthday to you, buddy. Happy um, birthday. And then to the people that are out there, I've said it before, and I'm just going to repeat what I've already said. Make sure you're working with qualified local professionals. Um, your qualified local realtor has the skills that they need to drive you and guide you through the process. Local lenders are definitely preferred within our market. Um, so work with people that are local, work with people that are knowledgeable, and, and work with a realtor. 
And thank you, and thank you to all our listeners for tuning in today. We'll be back again next week. Take care.